I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18. Deuteronomy, chapter 18. We continue to look at various exhortations and expansions on the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments. This is a part of that moral law. This, the Fifth Commandment. How we are to receive the rightful authority of God that is manifested earlier in Deuteronomy, civil authority, and here, religious authority. The priests and the Levites, and also even the prophets who would come after Moses. And how the ministries of those who labor in the house of God and who speak for God protect us from abominable religion. That is religion that is an abomination or deserves the damnation of God. How can we be a people of the word and of the house? That is what we'll look at this evening. Deuteronomy chapter 18, I'll read verses 1 through 22. The Levitical priests, all the tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's food offerings as their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance as he promised them. And this shall be the priest's due from the people. From those offering a sacrifice, whether an ox or a sheep, they shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the stomach, the first fruits of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the first fleece of your sheep you shall give him. For the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons for all time. And if a Levite comes from any of your towns out of all Israel where he lives, and he may come where he desires to the place the Lord will choose and ministers in the name of the Lord his God, like all his fellow Levites who stand to minister there before the Lord, then he may have equal portions to eat besides what he receives from the cell of his patrimony. When you come into the land the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practice of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens, or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired the Lord your God at Horeb, On the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. And the Lord said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, 
How may we know the word the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let me pray even now for the blessing of the preaching of it. Let's pray. O Lord, we ask even this evening that we might be a people of your word. If we lack discernment, we are not to seek it in self-help books or from the mouths of popular gurus, but to be a people of the word who are governed by your voice, who support the faithful ministry of the church and who surrender and submit to the teaching of Holy Scripture as it has been given to us to bring life and health and peace and that in all things we might exalt the name of the great prophet who is also priest and king over all of Israel, even Christ, who is our Lord. We pray in his name. Amen. I believe I entitled the sermon, To Whom You Shall Listen, this evening. Moses continues, as I said earlier, to expound, to open up, and to apply the fifth commandment and how the righteous support reception of and adherence to the faithful ministry of priests and prophets enables the people of God to live righteously. And it takes something of us in these first few verses. The priests must depend upon the people for help and the people must be dependable to help the priests. There is a means of care for the priests. Now, there is a place for tent-making ministers to be sure But oftentimes, many of these priests were so busy with the matters and the the business of the house of God, they did not have time to grow crops or raise cattle or livestock. And so the people of God were to provide. And not only that, but even as they went to God's house, you know the scripture where your treasure is there, your heart is also, they were to seek the words of God from that house and not from other houses, the house of the living and not the house of the dead. And that even as that dichotomy between the house of the living and the house of the dead continues throughout Israel, God promises to them a Messiah, a prophet who would come like Moses, like the prophets of the Old Testament that came later after Moses, who is the Christ. This is really a call to us today to support, to hear and to depend upon the voice of the Lord that we might have wisdom in life. And that's what I want to talk about this evening under three headings. The first, supporting God-honoring ministry. Supporting God-honoring ministry. Secondly, a different nation, comma, a different set of laws, a different nation, a different set of laws, and then finally, a new prophet. A new prophet. That shouldn't take too long to write. That second one is a little bit longer. I tried to... Jazz it up, and I just couldn't do it. (laughs) Make it simpler to write and to remember. Let's look at this first one. Supporting God-honoring ministry. Well, what is God-honoring ministry? Well, it is ministry that is grounded upon God's word. You cannot have God-honoring ministry that invents methods and doctrines that do not put Christ at the center. All biblical doctrine exalts the Redeemer. Even has been given by Christ, 
It is to bring glory and honor to Christ. Now, there is a privilege that the priests of Israel enjoyed. And that privilege, though at times I'm sure did not feel like a privilege, is they had no inheritance in the land. None of that land belonged to them physically speaking. Their portion was the house of God. Their inheritance was their spiritual labor before God in the house. And now this is, of course, a glorious picture of Christ's own inheritance. Of course, what is the house of God? It is all the earth. It is the whole realm of the universe. And so even as the priests labor in the house of God, what they have been given is immense in its glory and its scope. They have the greatest share. But you can't eat it. Right? They had bodies they needed to eat. And so what happened? The people, to support the work of the church, would bring the food for the priests. And what kind of delicious things were they bringing? Well, they brought an ox or a sheep, and you got a shoulder, the two cheeks, mm, and a stomach. We don't eat stomach in America, although it is often used as casing, or the intestines even as casing. I've eaten parts of animals as I've traveled through the world that I don't want brought to me. But these were great portions. These were the best portions. And not only the first fruits of animals, but of grain and wine and oil. The first fleece. The priests were treated well. Not ornately for the sake of pride and sort of a stuffy appearance. But they had an important task. And because they had no time to work the fields, they were working in the house of God, they were to be cared for by the people. And this required two things. Priests to be dependent upon the people and the people to be dependable to the priest. There is a circle here, a caring circle. The priests dispensed that which was spiritual and invisible and glorious that were necessary for the people of God to commune with God the Father, Yahweh. And the people fed them. Both things necessary for the building up and preservation of the church. This church, just to bring it home, would not exist if it were not for your faithful tithes and offerings. It would not exist. We receive no charitable contributions except from the saints who are desirous to see the church flourish. And we are grateful. Because without it, it would not happen. The means of production Christ has given to the people. This is how God uses means on earth so that we might enter into, with Christ, the building of the kingdom. And the more you enter into it, the more glorious it is. Uh, Years ago, when the Olympics were in Atlanta, Georgia, 1996, prior to the Olympics, they planned Centennial Olympic Park. Most of you probably know it because of the bomb that went off. It's a beautiful park. And for years, even after the Olympics, and to this day, they have summer concert series. We can go and see free concerts. But there is this beautiful fountain right in the middle. And around this fountain are all of these bricks with people's names on them. And you could, with a little gift, 
of $50, which in 1996 was probably a pretty substantial amount of money, have your name put on a brick. And for every $50, you could get multiple bricks with your names on it. You could build that place with contributions. And I remember going and, well, my parents showed out the $50 and found my parents' name right there on the brick. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool. You know what will happen in 40 years when they get tired of sentient? They'll build another park. Moth, rust, thief. Does that ring a bell? The principle of worldly investments? I'm not saying it was wrong to get a brick with your name on it, but let's be honest. Bricks only last so long. Those kinds of investments do not endure like the contribution of the building of the work of the kingdom. And I don't mean just the stuff you can buy with your money. When we bought this building, guess what? Just because it's a church building doesn't mean there are problems, right, Andy? (laughs) And everyone else that is labored with water issues and structural problems here or there, you all clean the church. It all breaks down. But it is the investment in the building of the kingdom that will endure forever. There is an element of your vacuuming this sanctuary that endures forever, even though you've got to vacuum it again in a week. Part of that labor never grows tired. It, the, the world can't touch it. Entropy cannot touch it. And God wants the people of Israel to see that they are to support the work of the house because it is through the work of the building of the house of God that the presence of God might grow to cover over all of the earth. And it takes the congregation to do it. In fact, Paul in Romans 10 puts it this way. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Sending here doesn't mean, all right, you get out there and do it. You send a man called and ordained with help. I mean, how, how long can a pastor live on the field in a state of starvation, you get three days without water, maybe 40 days without food. That's a short amount of service. What you need is not just to send a man, but an infrastructure of support. Where does that come from? Well, sometimes it can come from the man. But largely it comes from the congregation. This is sort of what I was talking about this morning, the division, the the unbiblical division between secular and sacred work. The way in which all work is redeemed is that it is brought into the house of God and it is dispensed for the building up of his kingdom. And if your heart, your treasure, is focused upon the work and the building up of the kingdom, there's a family at the door. They've arrived a little bit late and so they're stuck outside. It's somebody we know, don't worry. Oh, they have a key. I I hope we know them. (laughs) Or we're in big trouble. If your treasure and your heart that is connected to your treasure, you know what I mean? When you're writing that check or you're putting the cash in the plate or you're giving to the work of the kingdom, 
Either your heart is doing one of two things. It's going, ugh. I guess I gotta do this. You know what I mean? The kind of uncheerful giver. Or the more you give and invest, your heart grows more and more full and attached to the very thing or organization or person to whom you're giving. Give, give, give. And the more you give, there your heart is. There the voice and the presence and the power of God is furthered on earth. But there is another kind of religion that the nations practice that we are to avoid in part by the faithful support of the house of God and then later by listening to the voice of God. There is this section here in the middle that is an alternative, what I would call an abominable alternative. I always think, what's the next word you hear when you think of the word abominable snowman? So think of that religion, that monstrous, cold Demonic religion. That's why he's the abominable snowman. He's terrifying. He'll eat you up. So, the priests depend upon the people. The tribes provide for the priests. All for this reason. The magnification and the expansion of the house of God. Because it is there that God meets with his people. People are by nature religious. And we must keep the house open. The house must be open. Here is the abominable alternative. Look at verse 9. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. What the Lord is saying to Israel is this. I have a house. I live in that house. And you must support the work of that house. Bring to me offerings. Support the work of the priests. But there are other religious houses cultic structures and religious practices that do not delight in me, in God, and in the voice that comes from that house through my prophet Moses. And this is what they do. This is the kind of stuff that Israel is not to do. This is the stuff that the nations do. There shall not be found anyone among you who burns his son or daughter as an offering Can you imagine killing your child for the favor of a God? Hmm. We do use our children, don't we, for our own reputation, though, don't we? We do this. In fact, if anything, we are a nation who slaughters our children on the altar of what? Convenience. So we can sleep with whomever we wish without any consequences. We are Canaan. When I say we, I don't mean Reformation. I mean the world that surrounds Reformation is as wicked as the nations that surrounded Israel. And the temptation is to do what? It is to sort of flirt with the voices of those who live in the world. So there shall not be found anyone among you The one who burns his son or daughter as an offering. Anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination. We're talking about pagan future telling stuff. And let me tell you, it works. 
And it works because there is a power that is contrary to the righteous power of God, and it is the wicked power of the devil and demons. And though they may not be represented in our culture by dark skin and big horns, believe me, the practice of Wiccan in Asheville and all those people who make really good food in all those restaurants who bow to nature... This is exactly what Moses is talking about. It may be dressed beautifully. And in fact, the most persuasive, the most insidious demonic activity isn't ugly. It's beautiful. In fact, it changes to appeal to those whose hearts have some measure of affection towards something. It it, it knows where to tempt you, if that makes sense. And so when the writer of Proverbs is speaking to these young men, and he says, I want you to understand, sons, that there are two voices. There is the voice of lady wisdom, and there is the voice of lady folly. If you're a young man, what kind of lady folly is appealing to you? The witch with the hooked nose and the giant hairy wart and this sort of, sort of amazing... That's not an attractive woman. No, no, no. She's fair. And she uses sweet words. She has a whole page on the internet that reveals her stunning beauty. And you can't help but go, But the writer of Proverbs says, what? Her throat is an open grave. She will eat you up. In fact, what Saul was condemned for Finally, towards the end of his reign, as he went to a necromancer to bring Samuel back from the dead to speak to him. And do you know who Saul encountered? Samuel. And do you know what Samuel said? Boy, you done messed up. This is not the way to determine the will of God. These two voices, if I could put it that way, The voice of truth, of goodness, of beauty that comes from the house of God or the open throat that is the grave to hell itself. You will either gain wisdom from the world and the influences of the devil or God himself. God says, don't go in that direction. In fact, what the Lord tells Israel to do is don't even go in the door. Just get in the bulldozer and drive right over it. Don't even step inside. If you have a problem with alcohol, do you hang out at the door of the ABC store? You don't go anywhere near it. Don't go down that magazine aisle. Don't go to those sites. Stay away from it. Tear it down. Tear down the high places. The Lord has already said this earlier. If there is an Asherah next to the house of God, tear the thing down. These abominable alternatives are tantamount to worshiping Satan himself. And it is for this reason, God says, I will destroy them. It isn't ethnic pride. It is religious purity. God wishes for Israel to remain holy for himself. And so support the work of the house, the house of life, tear down the houses of death, 
And then there is this third exhortation as it relates to true religion. And it comes in this beautiful prophetic word. At some point, there will come another Moses. This is why when Christ walked the earth, people asked, are you, like, are you Moses? Are you Elijah? They were asking a kind of right question. They knew to some degree their Old Testament. Are you a prophet? And of course, Christ was a prophet. <clears throat> Many did not realize he was the prophet. But as Moses continues, we read in verse 15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. Now, in order to be equipped to listen to God, where must your heart be? Do you know who is not listening to God tonight? Everyone who is not in church. Think about that. That's the alternate. I'm not saying they may not be doing their quiet time. They may not be praying, but they are absent from the means of grace that is the proclamation of God's word from his mouth. I'm not saying I'm God. What I'm saying is the Bible clearly teaches that when a man stands up and preaches, God is speaking to his people. Husbands, I want you to try and experiment. The next time your wife tries to communicate to you something important, just walk away. See how it goes with you. I'm sorry, I'm busy. <laughs> Wives, do it with your husbands, and you know what happens? Your husbands just get louder and they follow you. It's inevitable. God wants all of us, and not just us, but all of those guys out there, to be attentive and to be invested in what happens in here. Now, we could be meeting in the parking lot. I don't mean this room. There's nothing magical about this room except the air conditioning is going. I don't want to be out there. I would, it would be messy. But we are here, and God has promised to speak to us. But how will you hear if there's nobody up here? That would be strange if you just came in set. In one direction. And nothing happened. You'd be lunatics. But there is something happening. What God wants us to be is a kind of people whose right, our, our, our habitual, instinctual discipline is to go to God's house for everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. And the way that we do that is we invest in the house, we tear down the bad houses, and then when God speaks, we perk up. Our ears perk up. And so Moses says, one day, God will speak more. And he does. He spoke through David. He spoke through the prophets. And as the scripture says, now at last, he has spoken to us through his son. And the best way to prepare to hear Christ is to love his house. To give to the work of the house. To have your heart invested in the house. And then the question is, well, how do we know who speaks for God? And Moses gives them a very important qualification and we find it in verse 21 and 22. If you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? 
When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. Now, this last Wednesday, Revelation chapter 3, God is, well, Christ is speaking to the church in Laodicea, and he says, the word of the amen, the faithful and what? True witness. The faithful and true witness. The way you test whether a prophet is true or not is whether or not what they have said comes to pass. So you look at all the prophets in the Old Testament, and of whom are they speaking? Christ. Let's, let's take it and let's contrast it with, I don't remember his name. You know, the Lord has come back, this sort of prophecies. The Lord's coming back in the year 20-something-something. Something. Oh, wait, 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 I made a mistake. I didn't read it right. I don't remember. I don't pay attention to a lot of that. Uh, but it happens. And there are people who lose their minds over these prophecies that the Lord is coming back. Which is interesting, but Christ says nobody knows the hour. So how do you know? What's going on here? If it doesn't come true, it's not a prophecy of the Lord. And if Christ is the fulfillment of all prophecy, let me encourage you in this way. There are no more prophets like that. Christ is the supreme prophet. And when you have the apostles who are the New Testament prophets, who are speaking, what they are speaking of is ultimately the fulfillment of Christ as all Old Testament messianic expectation with a little bit of future sprinkled in by John in the book of Revelation. But all of that is told to him by whom? Christ. And if Christ is trustworthy and true, and he has proven himself in the whole of Scripture, then we can be sure that what Christ promises that has not yet come true will come true. We listen to the voice of Christ. And this test of authenticity is essential. And it is not only whether or not it can be verified as to whether or not it came to pass, but in Deuteronomy 13, they also speak on behalf of the Lord. You know what most false prophets do? They put a phone number where you can call them to give them money. So what are they doing? They're shysters. They're crooks. They're in it for the money. But not our Lord. And hopefully not the ministers of the church. So what then for today? Well, support the fount from which all wisdom and righteousness comes. Sit at the feet of the one who speaks life and health and peace. Know what is wisdom and what is righteousness that holds and offers life and that which is of the devil and brings death. You need to know which houses to support and which houses to tear down. You need to be responsible appraisers of which houses are worthy to stand and which should be torn down. There are a lot of houses in our culture that need to be torn down. And how will they be torn down? By the proclamation of the one who lives for all eternity at the right hand of God the Father. And he is in his power rolling all things under his feet. We have as a congregation a demolition ministry. We build and we tear down. But we must be students of the word to know the difference. And so listen to the great prophet of Moses as we do this. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we ask.